could be anywhere doing anything, but you're hanging out with us. We appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in Tangare, S as in smart, like Marcus Smart, M as in mother. Kennedy Miller. What's up, man? Where can the folks find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter. I'm so excited. I won't even do the names. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, that's underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. All right. All right. We also have friend of the show family, even our good friend, Lamar Gafford, TownTalk.com. Lamar, thank you for hanging out once again. How you doing today, my man? Man, I'm good. How about y'all? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Doing pretty good. Glad to be here with you guys on our YouTube live stream. Everybody that is watching us live on the Game Plan Podcast YouTube channel, we appreciate it. Leave your questions, leave your comments. You never know, we might just answer your question or address your comment live here on the show. So getting into game number three, Boston takes it 116-100. Jalen Brown had 27 points, nine assists, five rebounds. Jason Tatum, 26, nine and six. Steph Curry led all scores with 31 points going six for 11 from the three-point line. So, Kennedy, I'll start with you. What is your biggest takeaway from game number three? Um, Shout out to the Celtics um, because even though they were winning for majority of this game, I thought that uh, a lot of times, especially in the second and third quarter, they were, you know, playing with a recipe to lose. And, you know, the commentators touched on it a lot. You can't have Steph come off these screens and have – Al Horford drops so low or Robert Williams drops so low. It just gives him a wide open opportunity to knock down a shot. And especially once he gets into a rhythm, then he's very tough to guard. And then when you choose to step up, you foul him and you end up having a seven point possession that makes it a two point game. And so I thought Marcus Smart had some really bad turnovers during that stretch. He had five turnovers tonight. I thought he had some really like questionable decision making um, plays. Um, but I thought that, you know, their guy stepped up. I thought Jason Tatum stepped up. I thought Jalen Brown stepped up. And we kind of touched on this before, but I think Marcus Smart had 24, 25 points in game one. Right. And Al Horford had 26. And then they both end up with two. Well, then this game, you have 24 points tonight from Marcus Smart. Um, so you get a really good contribution for your entire starting five. Al Horford didn't have two, um, but he had, he had 11 points. And then, I want to say Robert Williams had 11 points, right? 11 and nine and four blocks. And so you talk about somebody man in that middle. Um, their starting five played extremely well. Derek White, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, um, he really, I thought, did a pretty good job of, of guarding Steph Curry. Um, and, you know, the, uh, as far as on the Warrior side of things, um, Steph was played well. You, you could hang your hat on Clay getting out of his slump. Uh, Draymond Green has got to play better. Very high basketball IQ, but there are times where, you know, like what what do you bring to the table? Um, and I think that he gets away with, you know, too much criticism to the refs. Um, I think that you know he's got to he's got to get a tag, he's got to get something. But like you can't allow people like Rasheed Wallace, you know, who's gotten technicals for literally <laughs> looking at a ref, Tim Duncan for laughing on the bench, but this guy berates. B rates a ref every every other call. 
and he gets away with it. So I, I just think that that's a little uncalled for. But he can't only have two points. Um, you know, Jordan Poole, you know, I think has been a little spotty. He's got to play a little better. But I was just impressed with the Celtics, you know, keeping home court for right now. And we'll see how game four is because that, that's going to be a really big game. Um, I'll say this about Draymond Green. Draymond Green is like that kid in school or even – I'll say it. My little nephew. I love my nephew to death. Right. But he's two terrible twos. Right. In this point, they're learning, they're growing and they're trying to see how much they can get away with. Right. He's like, I can sometimes I can see him testing my brother and my and, and his mom about how much he can try to get away with and how much he can kind of finagle his way out of with cuteness. The problem with Draymond Green is he ain't cute. Right. And all you get from Draymond Green is yelling and cussing. And I think what the refs are trying to do, they're trying not to throw out one of the most important pieces of the Golden State Warriors in the finals, right? Like you don't, I don't think anybody wants a repeat of what happened in 2016 when Draymond was suspended for that game five, I believe. Yes. That when Golden State lost that 3-1 to LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. I don't think they want that to happen. So you want to kind of try to swallow your whistles. And we saw them do that even in game number two when Draymond Green and Jalen Brown had a little dust up about, you know, something silly. You know, they didn't call any technicals because they're like, you know what? We want to let this game be decided on the floor. But at a certain point, you do have to rein Draymond Green in just a little bit. You can't just let him run roughshod over the, over the officials. Lamar, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. And there were a couple of times in that game where I'm just like, you know, I, 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 I as a, a fan of basketball, I really hate when the officials call quick technical fouls and all that because I just think that. It, 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 you got to let the player play with a little bit of emotion there. But like you said, he was getting away with a lot of stuff. I mean, especially in the fourth quarter where it looked like that there were a couple of times where he really getting at the referees. And I'm like, yo, aren't y'all going to call this technical fouls up on him? Cause y'all really, y'all, y'all normally let other players get by with less before you tee them up. And so. I guess it's kind of like what I said after game two. He knows that they, the, the referees are kind of giving him a little bit of a rope here. So either he's going to keep on getting at them or he's going to try to get pester somebody else just to bait them to also get thrown out of the ball game as well because just to kind of help out his team out there. And oh, by the way, I did see something uh, earlier today where he, Draymond had a very good stat line that only Draymond could love. Two points, four boards, three assists, one block, and six fouls. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, that, I, that's crazy. And my thing is with the complaints to the tech, I mean, to the, um, to the officials, it'd be one thing, you know, like maybe if he's getting like singled out or, you know, like questionable calls. Like these are obvious fouls, like, and it's a lot that you get away with. It was just a clip that literally just came up on social media when he and Tatum were at the free throw line, and I saw the end of it. I didn't see the beginning, but he literally wraps his arm around, kind of like his shoulder area, and just throws him out the way. Like that, by law, is a foul. And again, I know he's you know he does the podcast, and I think he's a better analyst than he is player. Like, I think I, I enjoy listening to his podcast. I enjoy hearing his perspective on the game and what he thinks. But, like, you can't have two points, bro. Like, you can't. You're, you're a very important, uh, 
piece to the team, but you can't have two points. It's just it's it's not acceptable. All right. So one of our listeners mentioned it and I had actually had this written down. So Robert Williams, given that he's only playing limited minutes because of this his knee injury, how is he having such a big impact on the game on the defensive end of the floor, Kennedy? Well, he's only rim protector on both both sides of the both on both teams. He's on the rim protector out there. Um, and I said he had 11 points earlier, he had eight and 10, but he's a, he's a rim protector elite. Uh, he's getting in that status basically based on his play in the finals. That floater that Steph had, it's, you know, been very few times I've seen that blocked. And, you know, they tried to argue that that was goaltending, but he literally got it at its highest point. He took it out the air. He had, you know, four blocks. We mentioned that earlier, but he's a rim protector. He's a lob threat for that Celtics offense. So when you try and overload on Tatum and Brown and trying to contain those drives, he's always in that dunker spot where, you know, he can always drop step and dunk it. You can throw a lob to him. And so they can kind of play big with having him and Al Horford in at the same time. And like I say, Golden State doesn't have that guy on the other side. Like Draymond Green is, a, I think, a phenomenal defense player, but he's not a rim protector. Kevon Looney um, – you know, knows how to play the game, but he's not a rim protector. He's got bad hips. And after that, you don't have a big, you know, Bielitsa, he's going to stay on the perimeter. And Otto Porter and Iguodala are not, you know, are not big enough to play down there. So um, he has to make this type of impact for them to win a championship. He has to be that. I'm still kind of, I don't understand why they have spent a lot of possessions to start the game with him guarding Andrew Wiggins. Um but I'm just gonna chalk it up to M.A. Udoka knowing more basketball than me. Like I just feel like I just feel like there's something there. I want to ask him. I feel like he just knows more basketball than me because first year head coach in the finals, up two one on the Warriors. You clearly are doing something right. So I'm not asking any questions. Andy Bagney along. We can't forget that. We that that has Andy to be almost Bagney. first thing on his record. Number um, one. Um, this is his side job. That that's his, that's, his, that's his number one profession. You got along. Um, but I do think they're going to have to make some adjustments. With that being said, them being up 2-1, they're going to have to start guarding Steph Curry differently from the start of the game. Like, Draymond had two points. Okay, Draymond, we want you to get 15. We want you to get 20. Okay, we're going to show on that screen every time. And Steph is going to dump it, and Draymond's going to play four on three, and you guys make the right rotation, and we're not helping off Clay. So Draymond and Looney, y'all going to have to get 15 to 20 apiece. And you're going to have to beat us. But we, we're we not going to let Steph just come off the screen and walk into that. He practices that too much. Like, that's un- I, I feel like that's unacceptable. Lamar? Yeah, I mean, much like what Kennedy said here, um, just uh, having Robert Williams out there. Shout out once again, 318 over everybody, once again. <laughs> uh, had to go ahead and say that. I got a chance to see him play when he was in high school. He was incredible then and he's incredible now. But, you know, him stepping up on the defensive end has been uh, amazing, uh, especially in game three. You know, three steals, four blocks. Um, that really was the one thing that Celtics really needed out there. And he's able to punish inside that uh, that the that the Warriors don't have. They don't have that inside threat. Uh, so he's able to really punish inside a- inside them because you know, Kevon Looney is going to have sometimes an offensive game. He'll have an offensive game every now and then or something like that. But, you know, clearly I think that Robert Williams is the better player 
uh, between those two, especially with the defense that they have there. So um, seeing him out, uh, also step up, you know, also seeing Marcus Smart really step up offensively and scoring 24 points. Um, that was also a big boost for them. And finally getting the chance to see Jalen Brown but be a little bit more efficient with him being at home. Uh, those three things really helped out the Celtics and uh, and put them as the winners of this game. I think in terms of Robert Williams' impact, I think so much of it, I think, depends on Golden State and what they don't have, right? Like not having a big, like a true blue big. Robert, I mean, Kevon Looney is a good, I feel like Kevon Looney is a good player, but I think, Coming into this series, I was like, Robert Williams should be able to get the better of that matchup if and when they're on the floor at the same time. And if Kevon Looney is off the floor, having Draymond Green play small ball five, that can work in stretches. But even during the Warriors peak, like though that 73 and nine team, the, when even when they had Durant, they only went with that death lineup in small little spurts. Like you can't continually play with Draymond Green at the five and with the Warriors, I think they're trying to get Robert Williams out of the paint. So they're going with these smaller lineups, right? But then what that's hurting them defensively is that you're having a lineup with Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, sometimes maybe Gary Payton, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney, right? Like Clay Thompson after the Achilles in the knee, he's not the defender he used to be. Steph Curry was, ne- isn't, was never a great individual defender. He's a good team defender and Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole gets buckets, and, you know, that's what he does. He's not known for being a great defensive player, right? So that's hurting them. Like, them trying to exploit Robert Williams on the offensive end is hurting them on the other end of the floor. Am I making any sense with that? No, for sure. And I would consider myself lucky if I was Golden State because, I mean, you could have faced way worse than Robert Williams had some of the odds – you know, not been stacked in the Celtics' favor. Not saying that they didn't do anything to deserve it, but you could have been going up against Giannis for seven games. And look what he was doing against this elite defense. You could have been going up against Joel Embiid um, had they not got hurt. And you definitely didn't have the size for that. So, I mean, count your, count your lucky blessings that you just have to go up against Robert Williams and, and, and Al Horford because Giannis and Bobby Portis, I think, would have had a field day against this group. Absolutely, absolutely. So after Clay Thompson having a rough game two, shooting four for 19, he rebounded tonight in a big way for the Golden State Warriors. So was this a matter of Clay making shots tonight that he missed in game number two, or did St- Steve Curry and the Warriors staff do a little bit more to get him involved and get him easy shots? Well, I think he got some uh, easy looks off of offensive rebounds. I think he got two threes off of offensive rebounds. But, I mean, I also think it's just missing shots. You know, I feel like, you know, people try and make too much about it when some of these guys go into slumps, especially those elite guys that are some of the best shooters ever. Um, and when they go into slumps, I mean, it's just what it is. It's a slump. And all they got to do is see a couple go in, and it changes the course of how they, you know, play the rest of the game. But those guys, they don't have a conscience. And, you know, they can miss their first eight and then make their next seven. So, I just think it was a matter of him missing some shots. I remember game two, he missed a couple of layups that, you know, he usually makes. And so I knew he was going to get a rhythm at some point. But can you withstand it? And tonight they did. Lamar? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, the same thing because it's just, you know, I think the first two games he wasn't in that rhythm. And at least in this game, he was a little bit more of a rhythm. And as we kind of have seen before with uh, with Clay Thompson, uh, the deeper a series goes, uh, the, the, he, he gets in more of a rhythm, especially. I mean, they call him Game 6 Clay for a reason. <laughs> because, um, but yeah, I mean, so it's just about seeing some get it go in. You know, he saw some go in the diet, so that might really help him out um, as we go a little bit further into the series there. So, you know, that's it. Uh, do you guys feel the same way about the way Jason Tatum played tonight? He had 26 points, but he was 9 of 23 from the field. So did Golden State, Golden State do anything defensively there? Or was this another case of just great player missing makeable shots? Well, he takes tough shots, number one. He does take tough shots. And my thing with Jason Tatum is, like, he's getting to the rim, but why are you not dunking the ball? I guess, like, it was like three or four just, like, layups that you're missing. It's like, why don't you try and dunk it? Because, again, it's only one rim protector on the floor, and he's on your team. So try and dunk on Draymond. Try and dunk on Wiggins. Try and dunk on Looney. They're probably going to foul you, okay? And you're at home now, so you're probably going to get those calls. But – he takes tough shots for one. Andrew Wiggins is showing that he's a very good defender. He's shown that for the past year and a half since he basically came to Golden State. And he's doing a good job of really in this league where everybody just is very quick to switch on screens. He's actually trying to fight over. He's trying to stay with Jason Tatum and make him take tough shots because Tatum is going to take them. And so the knock on his career early was, yeah, this guy is skilled or whatever, um, but he's going to really settle for mid-range shots. He's not, he doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. Um, and he, he, he really just likes to settle. But again, he shot six free throws tonight. He shot 23 shots, six free throws. And again, I feel like if you actually went up to try and dunk those three or four layups, you would have went to the free throw line more. And so that would help your percentage and it would help your efficiency because it wouldn't be those four extra misses. So now you're nine and 19, which isn't as bad. So I'm looking at the post-game box score, and I'm seeing that Boston had 52 points in the paint to Golden State's 26. And in terms of rebounding, Boston out-rebounded Golden State 47 to 31. Boston had a offensive an advantage on the offensive boards 15 to six. And watching Golden State's defense tonight, they weren't moving their feet very well. Like. There was a handful of possessors. Marcus Smart just got by Otto Porter, got by Andrew Wiggins. Guys aren't moving their feet. And I think also in terms of points in the paint, this goes back to rim protection, right? Not having a rim protection. And my next thought is if they don't have a rim protector, what adjustment is there? And is Steve Kerr, has Steve Kerr already made that adjustment going really small? Right. And that didn't work tonight because they just countered with Williams and Horford. And we're just going to brutalize you in the paint. So if that doesn't work, is Steve Kerr just stuck out here going five smalls or going or is he, he going to have to play Kevon Loon and Draymond Green together? Or, you know, I'm not quite sure what what adjustment after this one there is to make. Yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty much stuck. I mean, unless he has a magic elixir to try to get 
James Wiseman back on the court and healthy at the same time, um, I think they're stuck. I mean, because there's only so much they can do at this point. And the guys that they have on the bench, like you just mentioned, um, aren't really the rim protectors or an inside player that they can they they can stop those bigs like you know Horford or or Grant Williams or even you know uh, Robert Williams. So it's going to be a little tough there, um, you know, just just for in order for them to try to stop them inside. So. He's, he's going to have to find some ways here. He's going to have to find some ways, I guess. I think you got to do a little bit of, you know, you just got to keep doing what you're doing. Either you got to keep playing either going small. Well, I don't want to say either. I want to say you got to go small and you have to play big and just see how both lineups are working at that point in time. Uh, but I said it at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm not completely writing them off yet. I picked the Celtics to win, but I'm not just saying that this series is over. But I said it at the beginning of the playoffs that I felt like it was arrogance on the Warriors' part not to go after a big. Not to not I mean, just to stand pat with their team and just be like, oh, this is good. Because look at the outlook of the contenders. Everybody had somebody that was a paint presence. Even Memphis, you had a guy, John Morant, who's a point guard, the second in the league in points in the paint. And you're telling me that Draymond Green is your best option to stop him? Now, they got away from not playing Phoenix because Phoenix folded against Dallas. So Dallas didn't have a rim protector. But again, we were talking about teams in the East, Philly, Milwaukee, um, well, Boston now. Um, and then, you know, Brooklyn, you know, got Kyrie and KD, even though they folded too. But I think we ain't got to talk about world be flat tonight. We ain't got to talk about world be flat. Let's leave Ky- Kyrie, leave Kyrie at home. He is at home. Busy on Dr. Umar Johnson's summer reading list. Okay, I think um, I think the the difference of this Golden State team from the elite team that you know won those championships, especially with Kevin Durant. Number one, you substitute Kevin Durant, and you've got Jordan Poole, who's eight inches shorter of the production you're asking Kevin Durant to get. Secondly, when you were able to go small back then you were able to do it with another guy in Andre Iguodala who was an elite defender. So I'm going small, but I'm going small with three elite defenders that can all switch, right? Clay Thompson, 6'7", Andre Iguodala, 6'8", Draymond Green is 6'6", 6'7". So majority of the lineup that I have are guys that I feel comfortable in this league guarding basically one through five. So um, with Iguodala not being what he used to be, with you know, Clay Thompson not really being what he used to be on the defensive end, still solid, but not really being what he used to be. You're asking Draymond Green to really man a small five man unit that what you pointed out, Steph is not a great individual defender. Jordan Poole is not really a great defender. Um, Andrew Wiggins is good. He's not Iguodala type level. So you put yourself at a disadvantage. And then on the other end, if you play him big, then you got Looney and Draymond Green and Boston's defense is number one for a reason. So, I mean, they're really begging those guys. They're begging you to have two of those guys on the floor at the same time because it makes them easier to guard Steph and Clay. I was also thinking, does Golden State try to go to a zone more often? And if they do, I think Boston has the shooters with Tatum, with Brown, with Mark. Marcus Smart's three-point shot is a bit inconsistent. But I think they have enough guys, they might be able to shoot him out of his zone. 
as well. Yeah, I I, I think that um, it, it's it's a make or miss league. You know, in the zone, everybody everybody now has kind of seen the zone. They know what to expect. They know that Golden State, especially in the finals, right? They've done. Everybody's got the scouts, and they know that Golden State's going to do like a one-two-two. Three two zone um, and really kind of press you to throw it to the corner and then, you know, force it out of there. But it's really, are we going to generate a good shot? Probably. Is it going to go in? We'll see. And we know if it goes in at least two or three times, you're going to get out of it. So, um, I mean, it's, it's different things that you can do um, to it, but I would just say I wouldn't give them a steady dose of everything. Like I wouldn't just say, okay, we just going small because we can't handle it or we just going big to combat it. Because you got to put your snipers on the floor, but you have to also, you can't get out rebounded and have more turnovers and Boston shoots better on the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to go to some of our fan questions here. So question number one from my man, man, Matt, how serious do you think Steph Curry's leg injury is? Lamar, I'll start with you. Yeah, that, that was going to be a little bit tough there. I, I did see a tweet from Mark Spears that, uh, st- um, that, that Steve Kerr says that they will know more about it, um, in tomorrow just to kind of see what his status is going to be. But, um, looked like he was able to kind of finish out a little bit of the game before they took him out for good. Hopefully he'll be okay. Um, but if not, that's going to be another, um, issue here for the Warriors there because, um, you know, of course we know that, that, um, we, of course we know that Steph has been having some injuries, you know, of course had that injury before the start of the, uh, before the start of the playoffs. So hopefully he'll be able to go. Um, at least I don't think right now, I don't see it as a issue if he's, if he's a, if, if he's going to be able to, to, but. I can imagine he'd probably be a little bit less than 100% there. Ken? I think, I mean, I'm, I don't like to prescribe injuries. I don't think it, it was that bad. Like he fell on it. So of course it was probably some pain because I mean, Al Horford is not a small man. He's like 16, but, <laughs> um, you know, usually in those, you would kind of see the ankle turn. And I feel like I didn't see the ankle really tweak or turn or, um, twist. So. I think it's obviously going to be some discomfort, but I think if you ask Steph Curry if he plans on playing Friday, is that when they play Friday? Yep. I believe. If you ask him if he's going to play Friday, I'm pretty sure he's going to say 100%. So um, I think he's okay. I think we're at the point of the season where the only way you're not going to play yep. is if you physically cannot. Like, yep. to where you physically cannot get up and down the court. Like, last postseason, we saw James Harden with that hamstring injury, and we saw him laboring up and down. Like, he had essentially one leg, yep. right? But it was like, all right, as long as I can move and move well enough to be out there, I'm going to be out there. Now, the question becomes, do you become a detriment to your team with you being out there, right? Or do you kind of serve as a decoy the way Scottie Pippen did in that game 6 and 98 when he had that bad back, right? And I think with Steph, this is a part of a longer like Steph throughout his entire career, he's had issues with his lower extremities early in his career before the Warriors run really, really took off. It was those ankles in 2016 at the end in that they're running the finals. He couldn't dribble past Kevin Love, the biggest moment of his life because his knees and his ankles were that worn down earlier this year. Issues with, you know, issues with his feet. Right. So we're talking about a guy who has a history of lower extremity injuries. Could it be nothing? Maybe so. 
right? But given his history, this might be something we really need to like, you know, look out for and might seriously have an impact on who wins this series. So well, I think I think you hit it on the head, Alex, real quick. I, nobody's healthy at this point. You played you played almost a hundred games. You played almost sixteen more than everybody else in the regular season. How many people have we seen on the injury report? You know that's questionable. Just in the finals, Robert Williams might be in. He might be out. You know, uh, Marcus Smart might be in. Might be out. Iguodala has been out. He was in. Uh, Gary Payton. Gary Payton was out. Now he's in. So I mean, it's just. Um, Nobody's a hundred percent and you, you, you got some nicks and bruises and you know, it's one of those things where, like you said, if you're not dead or you just physically can't go, most of those guys are going to play and because they know that, especially in Steph Curry's case, he comes out and have, you know, 45 next game. That's going to be a Steph Curry legacy game. That's going to be the game that everybody's been waiting on him to have. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, I think he's going to play. All right. Moving on to our next question from Jasmine. Could Brad Stevens have coached this team to the finals? I'll take this one first. No. Um, I think that is the big reason Brad Stevens is no longer the coach. And he's up in one of those luxury suites. I think what happened with the Celtics is that he realized and credit to him for realizing this and having the, like the humility to step aside. I think he realized they need another voice. In that he's taken this team as far as he could take them. I think it was something similar. Like sometimes you see something similar with, I think about it with Golden State. And Mark Jackson got them to a certain point, And they needed another coach to unlock a little bit more for them to reach their full potential. So, and I think they clearly got the right coach that they needed. Right? So, I don't think Brad Stevens could have coached this team to the finals. I think if Brad Stevens was still on the sideline, they'd probably lose in the second round. Um, just my two cents. I think depending on, uh, no, no, I don't think he could. I don't think he could. Now, come on, give us the depending on. Come on, come on. I mean, depending <laughs> on the the circumstances, you know, like things got to go right. Like a Miami Heat type, you know, in the bubble, like everything kind of fell in their favor that year. Right. If it falls in the favor, might because I don't think he was a bad coach. I think he was a really good coach. I think when he was coaching, he was a top ten coach. My thing with Brad Stevens is this, though. I think Brad Stevens is a coach that gets more out of less. But when he's got the expectations, and I don't want to say he folds, but when he's actually got the talent, he doesn't know how to coach superstars. You know what I mean? His best teams were those teams that, oh, no, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, and, you know, they kind of just played harder than everyone. And he runs some great stuff. He runs some great offensive sets. They had a really good defense. But when he actually got the purebreds, the Tatum, the Brown, Kyrie, they were underachieving. And so I think he's a guy, even, you know, look at Butler. He gets, he, he gets more out of teams with lesser talent. But I, I did not ever see that he actually took a team that actually had the expectations as far as they needed to go. Because I felt like that 2019 Celtics team. That's, I like that's the one be- with, that's the last year Kyrie was there, right? Right. Okay, because Kyrie and Hayward were hurt 2018. So yeah. 19, Kyrie, Hayward are back. Tatum, Brown, Horford. I felt like that was my prediction of Celtics Warriors back then. And they 
got gentlemen swept by Milwaukee. Um, and so, you know, I don't think he, I don't think he could have take, taken this team to the finals. Lamar. Yeah, same. I mean, and that, that point where you said he got the most out of, he always gets the most out of less. I mean, that really was poignant right there. Cause you know, we seen him do that with Butler, um, you know, getting them to not one, but two championship games. I mean, school like Butler just to get there, um, just for him to do that. That's kind of amazing. And for him to get the 2018 Celtics, you know, with, uh, as you said, uh, Mr. Hotep himself, uh, sitting on the bench and also, you know, having Gordon Hayward, um, missing all but the first game there and for able to get them to the Eastern Conference Finals in a game seven. He's a good coach for that. But when you have a lot of the superstars there, I don't think he's a great coach. For that, if that makes any sense, like he said, of 2019, them missing, uh, them, you know, losing in the second round and shoot, even last year, them losing in the first round to a, a very good, uh, Brooklyn team there. Um, you know, credit to him for realizing here, I need to step down. I can still have a little bit of a role being, uh, being an executive right there and getting email out there for that. Um, just credit for that. I still think he's a good coach. If he really wants to go back out there and try to go with a rebuilding team um, and try to get them, you know, get them uh, up there, I think he could try to do something like that. But of a championship caliber team that has more than one superstar or not the low spades is what Bomani would say. Um, I don't think he's a great coach for that. That definitely makes sense. So, predictions for game number four. Kennedy, what do you have? I'm going to say Celtics win. Oh, man. I'm going to say Celtics go 3-1 because I don't see them winning. I don't see either team winning two straight. So, I think that, well, besides this. So, I think that the Celtics win. They're up 3-1. Golden State goes back home, wins 3-2, and then the Celtics close it out on the home floor for it. Uh, in six, which was my prediction at the start. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick with that. Uh, I think it's gonna be a very close game. I think I might have jinxed it. I think Steph might actually go on a binge next game and just go crazy, especially if they don't change up how they're guarding him. Um, but I think the Celtics find a way, uh, to, to withstand that. So I'm gonna go with the Warriors. I think the Warriors gonna, are gonna get this next one. And mainly this, is kind of a lot like game number two, where you just knew coming out, Golden State was not going to go down 0-2. Yep. Heading to Boston, right? I feel like this is the same sort of situation. They're not going down 3-1 and then having to win three straight. Yep. So I think they're going to come out. You know, this is when that championship DNA, that experience comes in. And we all, look, hell, they almost won tonight. Oh, yeah, they, sure. they almost they almost got it tonight. Brown, Tatum, Smart make some big shots. They got some big stops at the end of the ball game, and they pushed that lead out. But going into the fourth quarter, I'm like, Golden State might pull this one out. Another great Golden State third quarter. I I'm gonna go Golden State game number four. They're gonna tie this thing up two two. Lamar, I'll go with Boston. I think it's gonna be close. I mean, finally, one close game that we probably would have in this series. 
Um, but Boston has to start playing much better in the third quarter. They have to start playing much better in the third quarter. You cannot let this team get right back in the ball game. Um, they played with a fire in game one, was able to get the win there. Played with fire in game three, was able to get the win there. You cannot let that happen um, all the way through. But I think what's going to help Boston here in this case is they got the crowd behind them. Um, the, the crowd was electric tonight. And I think that's going to really help them out and, and, and take the game for Most definitely. We have another fan question. Thoughts on Paul Pierce looking crazy on the sidelines. Man, did he have those sunglasses on the whole game? No, no. I, I was able to see his eyes. Oh, he took – because the moment I saw him with those sunglasses on, I thought about that Michael Jordan interview he did with Ahmad Rashad. He's like, no, I don't have a gambling problem. And he has those big old dark <laughs> sunglasses on looking like he's high as a Georgia pine. Like, I thought about when he went on Instagram Live. Yeah. It, with – with the with, with the stripping naked dancers, yes, I like I like I like Myers response. He has, I think I think Paul is one of those guys that just he's he's really resentful of. I guess he feels like he didn't get enough credit in the league. It's like Paul, you're really good, you're a Hall of Famer, but you can't just go out and saying these outlandish things just to get like cred now or just to stay relevant. Like, bro, just ride off into the sunset. Can we get him back on Instagram Live doing his best little Boosie impersonation? Can we, you know, can we? Just <laughs> being cut tiles with that man quickly. Expeditiously. But they still show him on TV? They, you know somebody, you know somebody, you know, in the truck is probably furious. Probably furious. Like, get him off the screen. Take the camera off him. You know they're probably somewhat in the truck. That is just like y'all put the camera on Paul Pierce, right? Go to go to three, go to three now, go to three. But yeah, man, look, let, let's just hope if the Celtics win, Paul Pierce gonna celebrate like he won. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna try and be with them. <laughs> just know if the For Celtics sure. win, Paul Pierce is gonna put somebody's child through nursing school at the Blue Flame that night. <laughs> Somebody getting their college paid for from the Paul Pierce Memorial Scholarship Fund. Don't let it be in Boston either. And it's don't, gonna let, get... don't let the game, oh the game win a Dog. It's going to be wild. But we got to leave it right there because we are out of time here on the Game Plan Podcast post-game show. We appreciate you guys so much for hanging out with us. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can the folks find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Uh, again, that's underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Lamar Gafford, where can they find you and where can they find all of the great work you're doing? All right. You can find me on Twitter at Lamar Gafford. That's all in one word. You can also find my articles at thetowntalk.com. We have a lot of good stuff here about the high school base, the high school football season coming up. So a lot of good things here. So. Keep on the lookout for that. All right. All right. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. It's T as in Tangeray, S as in Sangria, M as in Margaritas. Don't forget to follow the Game Plan Podcast, Instagram, and YouTube channel. Don't forget to tap into that. Like, subscribe, share, do all of that for us. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate you guys so very much for listening. For Lamar Gafford and Kennedy Miller, my name is Alex Goodwin. This has been the Game Plan Podcast. We will see you guys next time.